Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 23. Listen now to this word from God, and I'm sure you all know it by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Sorry, excuse me. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading today comes from Mark's Gospel, the sixth chapter, beginning with the 30th verse. Let us continue listening now for a word from God. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. And now picking up again at verse 53. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. And as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard that he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. And they begged Jesus to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon title is Best Laid Plans. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, send your spirit once more. Send your spirit that it would alight upon our hearts our souls, that the words of my mouth would not be my own but yours, that they would bridge this ancient story of interruption to interrupt our lives and to set us on the course that you would have us walk. Indeed, O God, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and glorifying to you, for you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the Gospel of Mark can be exhausting at times. Mark is 
the one gospel, in my opinion, that seems to be in constant motion. There is this urgency that's almost like a current pulling the narrative forward from start to finish. Jesus and the disciples, they're always going somewhere or doing something. And at first, chapter 6, from which our passage comes today, feels like a case study in that. If you were here with us two weeks ago, you might remember that we began at the start of chapter 6 with the story of Jesus and the disciples coming out of this preaching and teaching tour that they have been on for months, perhaps even as much as a year, and they pull into Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. But they don't get to stay long because, well, Jesus upsets the apple cart a little bit and they effectively get run out of town. And so on the other side of that visit, they find themselves on yet another preaching and teaching tour going out to all of these villages and towns out in the countryside. It feels like this is just a classic example of that momentous, that momentousness to Mark's gospel. Until that is, you get to our passage today. Because here we have not one, but two times. Jesus and the disciples trying, trying to take a break. Come with me, he says. Come with me to a quiet place. Let's get some rest. But every time they try to get some rest, what happens? The demands of their life and their ministry together presses in. Their best laid plans are interrupted over and over and over again. You know, I'm not on social media anymore, so I rely on Erin to tell me what's up with people, you. She was telling me that a few weeks ago, someone that we both know posted on Facebook, I guess, about how in the month of June, they went back and counted, and they had spent 27 days as a family in different cities and hotels on account of youth sports. Right? I mean, this is our story too, isn't it? We are a people who have a hard time taking a break. We are a people who are constantly on the go. And even if that example isn't you, we know those other places of sheer exhaustion in our life, don't we? I know single parents who from sunup to sundown throughout the summertime are shuttling kids to camps while trying to hold down a job to pay for the bills while caring for parents and neighbors and friends in need. Right? I, I know nurses and, and teachers and pastors even who after this last year are either almost done or they're over it and they're out of there. I said at the early service I was on this Zoom call with a friend who was quite literally on the point of bring, uh, burnout, rather, when he began a sabbatical about a month and a half ago. And I saw him this last week on Zoom for the first time in a long time, and he literally looked like a new human being. I didn't know how tired he really was, nor do I think he knew how tired he really was until he got a month of rest. Right? We're all exhausted in our own ways, exhausted from the worry. Exhausted from the endless stream of doctor's appointments. Exhausted from the frustration, from the heartache. We're exhausted by the status quo. Some of us are even exhausted from doing nothing. 
Have you all ever noticed how doing nothing can be awfully tiring sometimes? Right? In our own ways, we have all yearned, I think. We have all yearned at some point, and for most of us, probably rather recently, we've yearned for some voice, any voice, to say to us, come with me to a quiet place and get some rest. But still the demands of our lives, like those on Jesus and the disciples, they keep pressing in. It's the text message. It's the email. It's the phone call buzzing in your pocket. Anyone else feel their blood pressure go up sometimes when they feel their phone buzzing in their pocket? In our house, it's often more in the form of a a voice that breaks the near zen-like silence that follows the last child going down for bed. Aaron and I just sit there and we stare at each other quietly, just soaking it in. And then there's that voice from the corner of the house, Mom! It's almost always just Mom. We know what it's like to be exhausted, try to get some rest, but to never succeed. But here's the amazing thing about this story. Jesus and the disciples, they try to get some rest. They fail both times, but Jesus, he doesn't get upset. Jesus is perfectly capable of getting upset. If you have read the Gospels, you know Jesus has some righteous indignation at times. But here, Jesus doesn't get upset. Did you hear the words that Mark ascribes to Jesus in this passage? He has compassion on them. Right? He literally lets people get so close to him that they can reach out and grab hold of the clothes that he is wearing. He heals them. It raises this question for me. And the question is this. When people get close enough to grab hold of the the hem on our tired and busy lives. What do they experience? Do they experience compassion? Do they experience healing? Do they experience someone who's willing to be present with them or someone who is more likely to be passive? I don't got time. Do they find someone in us when they reach out who's willing to get out of the boat and come towards them? Or do they find someone who is more prone to pull up anchor and head for quieter shores? That call I was on where my friend came back from the dead, I had another friend who was helping lead it, a mentor of mine, a retired pastor who once served as the senior pastor of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. And he told this little story almost in passing about one of his predecessors at Fifth Ave, a guy named the Reverend Dr. John Bunnell. I had not heard of him, but he had served over a quarter century as the senior pastor of Fifth Ave Presbyterian from the 30s through the 60s, I think. He was a national figure of sorts, someone who was regularly published far and wide. And he told this story about how Dr. Bunnell began this tradition at Fifth Ave of doing a Christmas Day worship service. 
Now, much to the chagrin of our Episcopalian brothers and sisters in Christ, Presbyterians are not known for showing up for church on Christmas Day. We will show up every Christmas Eve in force, but don't look for us Christmas Day unless it's a Sunday. But Dr. Bunnell, he, he had this tradition of leading a Christmas Day worship service. It was usually small, 75 or so people. And he tried to lift some of the responsibilities off of his leaders in that congregation. So he would take over the task both of leading worship, but also of handing out bulletins and greeting people as they arrive, and then also saying goodbye to them and locking up afterwards. It was on one of those Christmas Day services that a woman came up to Dr. Bunnell on the front steps of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian, and she said to him, listen, you don't remember me, but four years ago I came and I told you about my 14-year-old daughter who had just been diagnosed with a tumor behind her left eye, and the doctors had just removed it successfully, but it had left her blind in that eye. And I told you that day at the step of the church that I had come to church that morning looking for hope. And the worship I found in your congregation had given me hope for going on. She says, it's been four years since that day. And I came back today for the very same reason on this Christmas morning. Because my 14-year-old daughter, now 18, they just found a second tumor behind her right eye. And they're about to have to do a surgery tomorrow, December 26, is when she'll go in for surgery. And the doctors have said it's almost certain that she'll be blind in that eye as well. She said, imagine that, Dr. Bunnell. My daughter's going to wake up tomorrow and know for a fact that she will never see another sunrise or sunset. She'll never see the water which she loves to go and look out on. She'll never see the, the color of her prom dress. She'll never see the face of her future husband or her future children. Dr. Bunnell, she will never see her mother's face again after tomorrow. I came to church this morning wondering if I would find hope. Hope to face whatever tomorrow might bring. And I found it. So, Dr. Rennell, when you said in your sermon this morning that God became flesh in the tiny Christ child, both to save us, yes, but also to assure us that there is nothing in this life, nothing in this life that we will ever have to go through alone because you have become flesh. I found the hope to face whatever tomorrow might bring. It's an amazing story, but the thing I took away from it was this. Have you ever talked to a church worker by the time we get to December 25th? Do you know how we're feeling? We're feeling tired. Dr. Bunnell felt tired every Christmas morning he went in to do worship. But still, he approached that service with an intentionality about the words that he would use and about the ways that God might work through the Holy Spirit because he approached with that intentionality 
a life was changed. Hope was bestowed. You see, every word that we speak, every moment that we breathe, every interaction that we have has the potential to change a life. See, I don't think Jesus here is trying to tell us that we should never take a break. I don't think Jesus is telling us to work ourselves to death or to ignore our bodies when they are telling us that they are tired. But I do think that Jesus is teaching that sometimes, sometimes it is those unplanned interruptions in life that hold within them the most promise and the most possibility for something sacred, something holy to happen. And it's not just us individually either. It's also us as a church, as the gathered people of God. I wrote in last week's newsletter about how there was just a lot of stuff going on, how there's this buzz in our church right now that was so absent and so missing this time a year ago, right? There's camps and there's bingo, there's mission, there's worship, there are new members. But what I also realized afterwards is that if we become so consumed by the fact that we are busy, if we become so consumed as the body of Christ with our own busyness that we miss that face in our midst, that face that might be here this morning who is in desperate need of a friend in Christ, if we become so tied to our best laid plans that nothing can break them, then we risk missing the fullness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This week, every one of us, every one of us is going to have an encounter where someone is going to reach out and try to touch the hem of our busy and tired lives. It could be a friend, it could be a colleague, it could be a family member. It could be a stranger. They're going to come to you and they're going to say something like, I'm worried, or I'm hungry, or I'm afraid, or I'm lost. Or they may say nothing at all, just give you one of those looks when you ask them how they're doing, those looks that speak volumes. Someone is going to reach out and try to touch the hem of our busy and tired lives. And the question is, what are they going to find? What are they going to find? I'll tell you what my prayer is that they find. I pray that they find a, a fistful of the wardrobe that God has set out for each. I refer to it in the children's moment. Some of my favorite verses in all the scriptures are Colossians 3, where it talks about God literally laying out for each and every one of us a wardrobe, qualities of compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength. Right? Is that not the wardrobe Jesus is wearing in these verses? 
That is the wardrobe God has set out for each and every one of us so that when they reach out, maybe they will touch the hem of our compassion, of our kindness, of our humility, of our quiet strength. But most of all, what I pray they will find is someone who is willing to stop and to share Maybe with our words, yes, but maybe only with our silent presence. Someone who is willing to stop and share the story of a God who became flesh. A God who literally climbed out of the cosmic boat some 2,000 years ago and who this day never seems to tire of wading onto the shores of our messy and messed up lives so that there is nothing we can experience that God is not also there with us in. I pray, in other words, that they would find what that woman on the steps of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian on a cold, wintry New York City Christmas day, what that woman found with 75 or so other people in this massive sanctuary meant for a thousand plus. I pray that we will offer to others what that pastor who was tired and in need of a break offered to that woman. Hope. Friends, when someone reaches out to touch the hem of our lives this week, May what they find be hope. Hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.